Blog Talk Radio. the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Robert Winfrey. I want to thank you again for joining us. Tonight, we will be reviewing UFC on Fox 27. Yeah, that was, uh, well, it was. There were some rough stretches on that card. Rough stretches. Uh, we will also be previewing the upcoming UFC uh, Fight Night 125, I believe. It is Lyoto Machida versus Eric Anders. It's a weird card. It's a weird card. There's a, I mean, th- that's a weird fight to main event. It, Machida's in the main event because he's from Belem, but weird fight. There's a couple of good fights on that card, though. There's uh, John Dodson's fighting Pedro Munoz. Uh, which is probably the best fight on that card. So anyway, we'll go through all that. Uh, and, of course, a little bit of discussion about news. The announcement of Daniel Cormier versus Steve Miocic. Which is... Uh, it's interesting, but troubling. That's where I've landed on that. I I have thoughts, but we'll save that until we get to that point. So if any of that's on your mind, if you've got a question or a comment, you have a couple of avenues for getting them here. First of all, you're free to call. Feel free to call in at 323-657-0901. If you would like to tweet me, you can do that. I mean, no one does, but you can. I am at Winfrey MMA. W I N F R E E. Last name is a compound word, guys. It's not that hard. Or you can leave posts on the Rattlech and Broadcasting Network Facebook page. There's a post with this player embedded. And that, so you can leave them there. I have that open as one of my tabs, so I should be able to get to them if that's how you'd rather, again, have questions, leave comments, criticisms. It's all good. Uh, All right. I think that's all the announcements for the moment. So let me bring on my regular partner in crime, 411 Mania's jack of all trades. Jeff Harris is with us. How are you doing this evening, Jeff? I am doing great, and I'm feeling a lot better knowing that Paige Van Zandt is now engaged to be wed. Um, So I want to personally congratulate Paige Van Zandt for not picking uh, Pat Mullen to marry as her husband. Uh, She is instead marrying uh, someone else named Austin Vanderford. So congratulations or mazel tov, as we say with my people, to Paige Van Zandt and Austin uh, Vanderford, who are now engaged to be married. I'm so happy for them, and I hope they have a lovely wedding. 
All right. With that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into our results. First of all, UFC on Fox 27. Uh, this was a weird, this was a weird was card, okay guys. Card. It was an okay hey. card. And, and I think part of the problem is you had a couple fights on the prelims that probably should have been on the main card instead. And at least two. I mean that. At least two, and that wouldn't have made it like the best card ever. But at least the placement of said card would have made more sense. And then, you know, between this and the fight night card next weekend, it's just a little bit like you know, you you almost wish you could smush these two together, basically. And then you between have like the, you, you have a more you have a, you have a card. solid, you have a decent enough card if you <laughs> can kind of combine those two. Right. Uh, in your and main then, event, and then I would have made in in the leftover fights. You know, I would have made that a fight pass to me. Then that's like your fight pass card. Yeah, that would have been. That's certainly doable. Uh, anyway, in your main event last night, uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza defeated. Derek Brunson via uh, they ruled it a knockout. I thought it was more of a TKO in the first round. Uh, really nice head kick actually from Jacare. He set it up the whole beginning portion of the fight. The fight was only three minutes long, three and change, three fifty, almost four minutes. Okay, uh, by because he was throwing that right kick, but it was really kind of a more of an angled kick towards either the inside of the lead legs, their opposite stance fighters or towards the body. And he was missing badly with it, but he just, you know, kept going to those lower locations. So when he threw it to the head, Brunson dropped his lead hand to try and block to the body or chest, uh, higher on the body. It's still technically the torso. And Jacare just aimed that one at the head. So while he had one hand up to partially block it, you really need two. Uh, a lot of the force still translates with just one blocking appendage up there. Uh, that badly rocked Brunson, who was kind of staggering around along along the fence line. And in a hilarious bit of visual, Jacare like completely squares up and just walks at him like Michael Myers walking at somebody in the Halloween f- films. It he just kind of slowly saunters up and then proceeds to punch him a few more times until the ref waves it off. I was a little surprised it went this way. Uh, I I picked Jacare, but I didn't think he'd get it done like that. I thought Derek Brunson... Uh, I thought he'd fight differently than he did. He fought incredibly reserved. And you, he has still not quite found that He's done that before, though. He's done that before. He has, maybe but I'm you really... Think, maybe you think he he won that fight against Anderson Silva, and I'm not going to argue with you on that. He fought very reserved in that fight and did very little in that fight, which is why I was not upset he was ruled the loser. Now, I, I do think he won that fight, but at the same... like My point there is... He, I don't think he's ever won one of those fights where he's really reserved. He still hasn't found the balance between really going out there and you Chris know, Lieben all, and all off. Chris and, Lieben in 2012 at UFC 155. 
really fought a reserve fight for that fight? I ha- I haven't seen that fight. It was an fight. awful. It was oh. an awful fight, and he was not impressive in that fight. Hmm. He was very. I'd, it was a very. It was a very lack of action fight. Yeah, I I, I haven't seen that fight in so long. I th- look, yeah, Derek Brunson. We have to acknowledge that he is talented and he's a good fighter, but he tends to kind of make a lot of mistakes, and sometimes he just doesn't look like he has the greatest fight IQ. Yeah, he he really does struggle when he has to actively make decisions. And he... What's really troubling to me about his future as an indicator, they showed the highlight repeatedly of you know, Jacare knocking him out in their first meeting. It was six years ago. You know, one would hope... You know, he And... He's a much better fighter now than he was then. Now, that needs to be said. Unfortunately, the issue that he was running into, that Jacare, again, knocked him out over, is one he still hasn't corrected. When he throws his left, he still leans horribly far forward, and he still leaves his chin exposed. I mean... This is this this got you knocked out when you fought this guy the first time, and six years later you still have not adequately addressed this deficiency. That is really troubling. I mean, and again, it, he's done a lot of good work since then. He's still a very successful middleweight. I mean, he's only lost. Again, if we set the yeah, you know, if we kind of set the Silva thing aside as a weird decision one way or the other, he's only ever he's only lost to Jacare, Romero, and Whitaker. I mean, those are three of the four best middleweights in the world. He's not getting beat by in, in, bump. In strike force in the UFC, he did lose to Kendall Grove in show fight. So that's I, I meant kind since, of an outlier. I meant since he debuted in the UFC. Right. No, I mean I apologize for not being clear. He has. No, that was like a caveat, but no, you're you're basically correct. He has a he has a strong resume, all things considered. When you look at fight for fight and what he's what he's done over the course of his career, um, he has a pretty he's built a pretty strong resume as a as a strong middleweight. And you know, a lot of fighters, Robert, have those sort of flaws that they're never able to correct or really close the gap on throughout their careers. Um, look at Damian Maya and just how he tends to be a one-trick pony uh, in a lot of his fights, even when it looks like there are times where he might sort of be um, turning the corner, so to speak, and be improving his striking game. I think one thing people take for granted about Jacare is how well-rounded he is. And while he's known as a submission and grappling guy, the guy knows how to strike. And he knows how to hurt you uh, with his striking and stand-up skills. And to me, he's not one-dimensional or, or, or basically uh, maybe not one-dimensional, but he doesn't have the problems that a guy like Phil Davis does, where Phil Davis can like only grapple or only sort of strike a little bit without really doing a good job of transitioning those elements. Jacare's transitions are very smooth. And Jacare is very dangerous standing up, and people people underestimate that, and I think they take that for granted. A lot of them do, and 
it's not again you you'd rather be striking with him than you would be grappling with him just because I think Jimmy not Derek Smith Brunson. Not Derek Brunson. He got knocked he got knocked out he, by him twice now standing up. Yeah, and he would have been submitted probably quicker. I mean Vitor Bel <sighs> and Vitor Belfort and Yushin Okami. And that was when a win over Yushin Okami still meant something. Yeah, I'm bear in mind when I say you'd rather strike with him than grapple with him, that's only because his grappling is so so good. I mean, his you striking, least have, maybe shame. he's not maybe he's not an elite level striker or counter striker like Anderson Silva in his heyday. I'd say Jacare is pretty pretty well up there in terms oh, he's, of he's 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 very pound. competent. He's very competent as far as the striking goes, and again, constantly gets overlooked because everyone is so afraid of his grappling. I think what surprised me so much about the fight with Whitaker is that that didn't really look like you know your typical Jacare in there. Like even even Luke Rockhold when they fought, and that fight was a while ago in Strike Force, um, but Luke Rockhold struggled to do anything uh, to Jacare. And I was my feeling was Jacare won that fight, even though the decision was given to Rockhold. All all Rockhold really did to me was uh, defend the grappling and defend the takedowns. But even that, I thought standing up, Jacare kind of edged out Rockhold in that fight, even though Rockhold is a pretty good uh, striker kickboxer. Yeah, I'm. I would like to see those two fight again in the near future. They're They've both developed in very interesting ways uh, in the intervening years since that fight. What I would tell Jacare is just stay healthy, stay in shape over the next six months, because who knows? Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, and you know, Jacare's still pretty clearly in the title picture, not in the immediate picture, but considering he lost to the champion decisively. And he has a loss. The title picture is just so. It's not gutted, but it's just so. It's just so messed up right now between number four ranked middleweight GSP relinquishing the title, Uh, Robert Whitaker getting staph infection in his stomach and the staph eating away his insides. So and now we have a new interim middleweight title fight with Whitaker and Romero uh, coming up, and then. I'm sorry, uh, Romero right. and Rockhold, because uh, Whitaker's the one who's hurt and sick. Yeah. So now Rockhold and fighting Romero are fighting for the new interim title that was currently that was previously held by Whitaker before he was made full champion after St. Pierre, full champion, relinquished the title. I mean, oh God, it's a mess. It's um, such a mess. So I guess Chris Weidman will be looking to fight Jacare, just depending – Depending on how things go, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, Which would be an interesting Michael fight B- to be and fair. Michael Bisping, and then you have Michael Bisping and Gastelum in there. Oh, Bisping's uh, about to retire. He hasn't retired yet. Um, and we know he will how, after one more god awful fight with Rashad Evans. We know how malleable retirements are in this sport, so. If we see if they book Jacare Weidman, I'm fine with that fight. I've wanted to see that fight for a long time, and I like Jacare's chances in that fight as well. Honestly, it's yeah, Jacare is a he's a handful for anybody. Um, 
Jimmy Smith had a really interesting tweet about Jacare after he won. He said that back in like 05, I think, uh, right before Jacare won one of the, I think it was the Pan Am games that year that he won gold in. He did. He had the opportunity to do some training with him, and he said, "If you want to know what it's like to train with Jacare, put an in, climb into an industrial dryer and fill it with rocks, and that's about what it feels like." Uh, the the guy's a beast. It's uh, and the fact that he hasn't yet contested for the title is a real shame. I mean, it's it's all been either random timing with the actual champion or injury issues or him choking in a big fight or something like that. But uh, he's, he's pretty clearly the best fighter maybe in UFC history to this point that has never fought for a title. And I do hope they're able to rectify that. A UFC title. A UFC UFC title. title. Um, I I hope he gets that shot before he calls it quits. Because, I mean, look, I mean, this fight proves he can still – he can still compete at a high level, for now at least. Yeah. But he's closing in on 40. That isn't going to last forever, and I, I do you know, hope I mean, he's able to get that I shot. I mean, it, it, just, it just depends. I mean, I mean, it's not impossible to compete at that level. At that, I mean, look look at Yoel Romero. It's true. Of course, Yoel Romero he's is younger. A... He's younger. He's younger than the guy fighting uh, Luke Rockhold for the interim belt uh, next month. So there you That's go. true, and I, I'm still. You know, I don't know how much longer Romero can do it, despite and, Romero okay, being an who athletic do you think freak. Won that fight. Who do you think what, won Romero? the fight with Romero? Romero and Jacare. <laughs> I thought it, I, I'm score score that sucker a draw. That's I no guy. I scored a guy draw that too. Like I, I, I gave Romero a 10-8 first round, given how close he came to finishing Jacare, and then I think I thought Jacare edged the other two, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it wasn't a great fight, but I mean, to me, it wasn't like, yay, Romero won, coming out of that fight either. So I mean, to me, his only legitimate loss, his only legitimate loss um, since he came to the UFC is to Whitaker, and that's the only one. Yeah, now that's, I mean, that was a big one, but and again, Whitaker's the champion, but yeah, I I do want to see him keep moving up the get to that title shot and now look going back now look let's go let's go back for the last 10 years or so for him the luke rockhold fight he lost by decision okay fine i mean that was a tough fight it was it was a close fight right robert let's go back from what i can recall i haven't watched it in a while his last he lost he got knocked out by musasi in dream i remember that 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 up kick that random up kick that was crazy random (laughs) You want to talk about fluke wins? That's one of the flukiest of fluke wins ever. Because, and the reason it's a fluke is because that almost never – because, I mean, look at the results. You call that a fluke because, because what is a fluke? It, like, that's, that's what a fluke is, is it not? That's, to me, that's the definition of, like, a fluke win. And, and it ha- Now, granted, it happened with, you know, Musasi, who's very talented and a very good fighter. Um and then, uh, so there you go. And, and the and the two rematched, and Jacare submitted Musasi in the rematch uh, less less than uh, less than ten years later. So I think that counts for something. That to me, that's all the makings of a fluke win. So 
that just shows how good Jacare is. And that proves what you said that it's really that he's the best fighter to never fight for a UFC title. Yeah. I I I honestly have a hard time finding a close second of just off the what top you, of my head. What do you head. think of a matchup with him and White? Which I'd be is fine with it. Possible. How do I'm you fine. How do you think they match up? Ooh. Ooh, that's tough. I mean, Weidman's an exceptional grappler in his own right. Weidman's takedowns are a little bit better, but he's also it's, it's Weidman's also though. taken more damage over the last little bit of his career than Jacare. It they match Weidman, up in really interesting ways. Weidman is tough. Weidman is tough, but he kind of just likes to barrel forward and just abandon his defense. I think Jacare is maybe a better, more technical striker than Weidman is. Yeah, I think he could pick. I think he could pick they're, Weidman apart. They're close enough, and they're close enough in in what they've shown so far for that to be just yeah, close enough to a push for me, I suppose. Well, I, well, UFC interns, if you're listening. If Jock, if Jock Ray isn't going to be on deck for the interim final, title fight uh, next month, let's see him fight Chris Weidman. I like that fight. Yeah, I, I'm completely down for that. Uh, all right. Next up. God. I need to say this before we go much further. There were some weird scores last night. There were some weird scores. Um, and this was just one of them. Andre Feely defeats Dennis Bermudez via split decision. There were two 29-28s for Feely and one 30-27 for Bermudez. I was 30-27 for Bermudez, guys. Uh, if you really? haven't read my coverage. Yeah. yeah. I was I was 3-0 for Bermudez. I mean, I think I'm it not was, really uh, excited because I don't really care. This was not a good I, I'm not going to get up in arms over it. I'm more noting that, again, like, Really? They gave fight of the night to Dober and Camacho? What a crock of shit. Bobby Green ought to be pissed. Sorry, I just saw that. If I'm Bobby Green, I'm, I'm throwing a fit about that. But Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Um, this fight has a bonus it, to everybody. No, but he and Coke had a better fight than Dober and Camacho. I mean... I think Mar- Marcos and Lima had a better fight than them, but whatever. Yeah. Marcos and Lima had a more technical fight than Dober and Camacho, but Green and Coke was like a – it was just better in every way. It was more interesting. It Green, was bloodier, Green slightly Coke, more back and forth. But Green yeah. Coke should have been one of the fights on the main card. Anyway, I didn't uh, care for this fight. Anyway, anyway, Feely and Bermudez was eh, – was just kind of – I mean – Feely Neither really sucks once you start pushing him. Like when he's going forward, he's pretty good. He's I mean, got look some at his record stuff. before this. Look at his record before this, Robert. He's always win loss, win loss. Yeah. This was the this was his first bit of consent. This was his first winning streak in his UFC career. Um, and his last win was over Artem Lobov. That's hardly. Like to me, that to barely me, counts. <laughs> I mean, you don't put you don't put him in the top ten. You don't t- you put you don't put him in the top ten with two wins like this. I'm sorry. I don't even put you him in the top him, fifteen. 
You can give him <laughs> still, a great. I still don't well, give him thinks, the top 15 spot. He thinks he's top 10. He thinks he's top 10. You can he give him a fringe. He thought he was. I, I always laugh when an unranked fighter in their pre-fight stuff says, no, I'm the best whatever. In his case, I'm the best 145-pounder in the world. I laugh. Like, you're not even the best 145-pounder right. in whatever All room right. you're like, occupying. Give him, give him a fringy Give him a fringy 15 guy. Maybe give him, you know, give him, maybe hey, Beck, give him. Mursad Bektik said he was willing to fight the winner of Feely and Bermudez. I am completely okay with that. You you can do that. I like that fight for Bektik, honestly. Yeah. Bektik uh, looked, and, and you know what? Bektik looked great last night. Yeah, he looked, uh, I have a few minor issues, but we'll get to that when we get to that fight. But uh, this fight was, it was Elkins? there. At least he lost to Elkins, who's been looking great lately. Elkins is very he, underrated. He, my bigger gripe is that he should have won that fight, but he fought stupid in the third round. But I, I, I talked mean, about yeah, that. Look, look, I talked about that at length. I mean, it's a fight. It's, it a, it's a fight, and you get, te- you get tested mentally and physically in those when you go into deep waters and you make mistakes. It's a chess match, you know? The slot mistake can and I, I really do hope he's able to learn from it. But anyway, as for this, it, it just wasn't all that good. I thought the wrong decision was handed down. There was a lot of, there was a lot of just kind of, I hate to say sloppy stuff from both guys, but it kind of was like Bermudez was trying to double jab into range, and he was missing a lot, and he wasn't moving his head properly, so he was getting counter-jabbed. He was over-committing and getting taken down by Feely, but didn't lead to anything, though, of course, I imagine that's what won Andre Feely those two rounds is, oh, a takedown. It meant Jack. Didn't mean anything, but we're scoring. It's North Carolina, so apparently we're scoring fights like it's 2006. I mean, Feely has always looked – he's looked sloppy to me since he made his UFC debut. Yeah, he's – He's another – he's another grind, he's a grindy wrestler, bad striking, who tends to – and when he tends to strike, he tends to get hurt. And he or, – or, or rely on his wrestling. Yeah. Uh, so again, it was just kind of a fair fight. He got knocked out by Yair Rodriguez using a flying head kick. Yes, he did. And he got choked out with a guillotine by Max Holloway, which was hilarious. Not that losing. And Godofredo Pepe, who also fought last night, uh, submitted him with a flying triangle choke. So, I mean, his submission defense is a little questionable. His defense is quick. He's slot. He is slot. He's a very. He's always been. A, he's been a sloppy fighter throughout his entire UFC run, and he looked sloppy last night too. Yeah, I I laughed so hard when Holloway got him with that. Not because Holloway's bad, because Max Holloway is great. But this is a guy who, and commentary has to bring this up every time, and especially because it was Mike Goldberg commentating this. That he trains with Team Alpha Male. So, you know, he's got to have great guillotine defense if he trains with those guys who, you know, can throw that on all the time. And then Max Holloway's like, no, nah, I don't need to be. No, just, nope, clearly not. Max just put a solid beating on him the whole way through because Max Holloway is awesome. Uh, 
anyway, Philly and Bermuda was it was really just kind of there. A lot was, of team alpha male, a lot of team alpha male prospects tend to get overhyped though. I I'm wonder not why. There aren't any, I'm not saying there aren't any good fighters in team alpha male because look, they, I mean they have well, these fighters that they have produced champions, but. You know, there are a lot of guys that come out of there that tend to get a little overhyped, and I and I think Feely was definitely one of those guys. Yeah, it, it happened. Like Alpha Male has roughly the same elite level success rate as any other high profile gym with a good track record. It's not in. It's not necessarily better or worse than any of the others, and. For some reason, uh, so, yeah. I don't know, people tend to ignore that. But anyway. I like the Beckdish idea, or maybe the Muikano. Muy, does Muikano have a fight lined up? Maybe him? Uh, I think he has one lined up. Let me double check. Let's see. I don't think he has one. I don't think Spot he has Ortega one either. Lost July. Yeah. He lost to Ortega. So that's kind of why Stevens has been able to sort of jump ahead. Um, uh, they could if do a more kind of lined up. Or Bechtis. Bechtis wants that fight, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Um, Gregor Gillespie. Oh, boy. Gregor Gillespie defeated Jordan Rinaldi via TKO in the first round. Gregor Gillespie's a bit of a madman um, <laughs> when he gets into the cage. Got some, he's a good prospect. He's, he's got he something. He really is. Um, for those of you unfamiliar with his background, I believe he was a national champion in Division I. Uh, not a national champion, but Division One All-American. No, he, won the nas- no, he, he won the national he championship in 2007. Are you, are you sure? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. He was a four. Jeez, he was a four-time All-American. Oh yeah, he won the national. He was four-time All-American and won the national title in two. All right. Well, I mean that definitely makes him, you know, in a pretty strong standing. So that's that's, finished, that's ridiculously he, impressive. The thing that's working in his favor now is he's finished. He's finishing guys. You know. Yeah, he's finished his last three see, opponents. How often do we see wrestlers come in and, and, and they tend to be boring grinders? You know, that's kind of the mark that goes against these collegiate wrestlers, right? He's kind of the the opposite. Granted, he's not fighting elite competition, but um, I think he's he's still a prospect at this stage. I think you want to yeah. keep bringing him on slowly for a couple more fights. What do you think? Completely agree with that. Again, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential with that guy. He's again, he's got that wrestling background. And for those of you, I, I don't know about our listenership. I know we do have some overseas guys, but for those of you who may be unaware of what being an all American means when it comes to, it means different things in different sports. When it comes to wrestling, the all Americans are, I believe the four best from the collegiate division. So the division one, division two, et cetera. And if you're one of the four best in your weight class, that's a really high like honor. You're like nationally ranked. You're, you're like you're like top, you're like among the top ranked in, in in the country, basically. Yeah, and then again to actually win it uh, one of those years, uh, it's 
It's ridiculous. Like, and he's been working a lot on his striking. He still has some issues with it, particularly his head movement. He's really got to work on getting his head off the center line a little bit better. But he's improved a lot. He's clearly got some power to him. There's a significant amount of again, wrestling ability. He's learned a lot of his submission skills. Uh, it's a lot of arm triangles at the moment, which is a, something a lot of amateur wrestlers use. But, hey, if it works, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, you do want to keep kind of moving him slowly up. You do want to have another step up in competition for his next fight, but you really don't want to throw him into the deep end just yet. Uh, there's, okay. There's still work to be done, but he is absolutely one of the bright spots in that division for the next couple of years. Is it too early for him to fight someone like F. Francisco Trinaldo? Probably. Too much experience? Okay. Well, the good thing is... Trinaldo might be the upper bound limit of what you would would try to give him next. Right. That might be the the absolute height of how far you'd push him. Yeah. It's it's tough because when you have a promising prospect like this, you, you know... How, how how do you weigh what his matchups will be? And you don't want to you can't, I'm always of the mind that you kind of want to bring these prospects on, along a little slow a little slower and just gradually give them you know new tests. And Trinaldo, like yeah, that might be too high level because Trinaldo is a very experienced veteran with a lot of fights and a lot of wins in the UFC. Um, like, to me, he's not ready for, like, a Benil Darius yet or an Ayakinta or Kiesa. But maybe he can fight in Evan Dunham? No? Dunham's a thought. Um, you've got – let me see. I have the list here. Um, if you want to test his jiu-jitsu work, there's Gilbert Burns, who might be yeah. interesting. Um, there's Olivier Aubin-Mercier, be another interesting one. You don't want to go there or there. Um, those are yeah, I like those ideas. Honestly, that guy. Uh, there's uh, the maestro Dong Yun Kim might be too much of the same thing at this point. Um, if Will Brooks is still around, that might that's probably too much, but that would be interesting. Um, Venata's probably the wrong type of matchup. Uh. Uh, Tebold Godi would be interesting. He beat Andrew Holbrook. Joseph Duffy kind of comes to mind. But yeah, you want someone again, like someone probably in the ranking. Again, I know the official rankings end at 15, but someone from like 17 to 25 in that range. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like some of those ideas a lot, but um. At le- you know, I don't know if he should have been on the main card last night, but at least you know he was on. He he was a prospect who got put on the main card and he looked good, and he beat and he beat the hometown kid too. That's the other thing. Even though like Ronaldo's not like an elite competitor, you know when when you are a pros when you are a prospect and you're put on this stage, it's important like that you know you look good because going forward. You know these fights may not seem like a lot, but you know they they help they help build they're helping build you up on your road to being an elite contender or or possibly a champion. We'll see with him. Yeah, 
Uh, all right, and kicking off the main card, Drew Dober defeated Frank Camacho via unanimous decision, 29-28, 29-28, I don't really have a whole lot here. Um, I think I scored this for Camacho live. I'd probably regret that. If I were to rewatch it, I would probably favor Dober more heavily. And It's the third round that's kind of the swing round here. Um, this was... I just don't get how you can have two judges giving it to Dober and then the other one gives it to... Oh, no, wait. They all gave it to Dober, No, right? they, they all gave it to Dober. This was unanimous. Okay, never mind. I mean, yeah, the the, one, the Bermuda's front was a little... The judging was a little iffy. Yeah, there were... Uh, the Ji Yeon Kim and Justine Kish decision was really weird. Uh... The 30-27 in the Chukagian and Barella fight was... I, I'm not sure how much I agree with that, but that fight was embarrassing. Uh, anyway, again, there were some weird scores last night is all. And, uh, yeah. As for this fight, yeah. it was just kind of a sloppy brawl. Like, it wasn't all that yeah. interesting. It wasn't noteworthy. And it was... If you want to see this fight, I would advise you to look up Green versus Coke because it was better than this fight and basically serves the same purpose in terms of two guys, you know, kind of punching the crap out of each other. But green and Coke was just better than this in pretty much every respect. So I don't know what you do with either guy. They were just here to be low level brawlers because there's a significant portion of the fan base that still likes that. So that's what we got. Um, both guys are going to go back down to lightweight, I imagine, because neither of them is really built for welterweight. But uh, that's another issue entirely. So, do you have anything else on this one, Jeff? Nope. All right. As for the prelims, um, your best fight of the night: Bobby Green defeats Eric Koch via unanimous decision, twenty-nine twenty-eight across the board. Really good fight. Uh, the pressure of Green started getting to Koch as the fight went on. Koch had the first. Uh, Green had the second and third. Just, uh, it was nice to see Bobby Green actually kind of fight like Bobby Green again. You know, there was some good stuff from Coke, but he really struggled once the fight got into closer quarters. He struggled with the pressure. Uh, Green kept a good pace. There were some fun grappling exchanges to kind of complement their striking. Uh, really good fight. Mursad Bektich defeated Godofredo Pepe Castro via TKO with a body punch, two and a half, two minutes and 47 seconds of round one. This is one of the hardest body punches I recall seeing. Bekic was throwing an overhand right for a lot of the, as, for as long as this fight lasted, kind of baiting Pepe into thinking that's what was coming. Then when he got him kind of towards the fence and he lined up the same way he'd been throwing the overhand, Pepe went for an intelligent counter. He went for a rear knee as Bektich was going to be dropping his head to throw the overhand. You throw the counter knee, you get a hand up to block your head. It's a, it's a really good counter to that punch. Bektich just didn't go to the head. He went to the body and right into the solar plexus. Uh, if, you, if you don't know what that is, um, feel on your sternum and right at the end there, that last little like half inch, uh, right where you kind of your, right where it ends, that area right there, that's your solar plexus. It sucks to get hit there. 
There's a major nerve cluster right around that area. Your diaphragm kind of connects in there. I mean, the liver hurts more, uh, generally speaking, but there is nothing that will suck the wind out of you faster than getting hit in that in the solar plexus. It is the dirt worst. Uh, not the actual, again, the li- I find the liver to be the most painful, but the solar plexus, that sucks. And Bektich hit him so hard, he pushed him back like two steps uh, before, he cr- before he crumbled. Um, good for Bektich to get back on the winning side of things after he botched the Darren Elkins fight, because he should have won that. Um, he's with TriStar now, and that kind of showed, for better and worse. I've said my piece on Faraz Sahabi's philosophies and how he coaches his fighters there's again there's positives and negatives but he's kind of back to looking like someone who can make noise in the division again so good for him uh caitlin chikagian defeated mara romero barella the unanimous decision 29 28 twice 130 27 i scored this for barella this was an embarrassing fight i i disagree with the scores for a Primarily because the judges rewarded Chikagian with a round, I believe the first, where she landed a whopping six punches. By When we got into the second round, she had landed something like ten significant strikes to 60 that she had thrown. She, it was horrible. Like, she was shadow boxing. This was a... I mean, I have sparred harder than those two fought. And I'm not a great... Like, I am not great... But I have both seen and participated in sparring matches that were fought at a harder pace and with more intensity than what those two put in. Which was embarrassing. Uh, women's strawweight, Randa Marcos defeated Juliana Lima via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. Juliana Lima just couldn't really handle the takedowns and the top control for Marcos and lost accordingly. Ji Yun Kim defeated Justine Kish via split decision, uh, 129.28 for Kish, a 29.28, and a 30.27 for Kim. I don't agree with the 30.27 at all. I think it was at least the second round that I thought uh, Kish won. I scored this fight for Kish, but again, it's really... Kim didn't really start doing anything until the third round. She might have stolen, I think, the first. You could argue the first based on the efficacy of her strikes versus the volume of Kish, but uh, the 30.27 was... I I don't understand that at all. Uh, Vince Pichel defeated Joaquim Silva via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Little surprise there was nothing. Nobody scored that one for Silva, but not a terribly interesting fight. Uh, Nico Price defeated George Sullivan via rear naked choke in the second round. The finish was a really nice example of how you strike to set up submissions from your grappling exchanges. He had uh, Sullivan's back. I think he only had a ride position instead of both hooks. He started punching to try and get Sullivan's head up and get him moving. As soon as he raised the head with an uppercut, he got the other hand under the chin, pulled him back. That's all she wrote. And at featherweight, Corey Sandhagen turned in a surprisingly good performance against Austin Arnett. He defeated him with T- uh, via TKO in the second round, mostly body shots. Uh, Sandhagen has pretty clearly studied the tactics of Dominic Cruz because he was doing a lot of what Cruz does. Not quite as good as how Cruz does it, but he's uh, not nearly as experienced a fighter at this point in time. And there's still some defensive work. He was getting jabbed up at times, but I like the angles. He 
kept frustrating Arnett with those. The body work was really impressive. Uh, for somebody who I knew nothing about coming into this fight, there's there might be something there with that guy. I don't know for sure, and he could wash out, but he might also pan out. You never quite know. So uh, that's it for me. Jeff, do you have any burning desires from the prelims? Uh, let's see. I think the Merced Mer- Beckick looked great. The, the Marcus Lima fight was o- okay. Good win uh, for Ronda Marcos. Um, those are my mi- – oh, and uh, Bobby Green, Eric Koch had a good fight. Green, you know, Green picked up his first UFC win in about three and a half years. Uh, really good, um, really good fight. So, yeah, those are my main ones. All righty. Uh, next up, we have UFC Fight Night 125. Boy, this is a weird one. Uh, the main event, Lyoto Machida versus Eric Anders. The reason Lyoto Machida is in the main event is this is being held in his hometown. They have also given him a fighter that stylistically he should be able to beat. Eric Anders is a forward pressure Pretty heavy-handed puncher. That's kind of what he does. There was a time when Lyoto Machida ate guys like that for breakfast. Anders is basically the softest pitch they can give Machida in this spot, all things considered. And I still am not, I still can't really pick Machida here. He's coming off of three losses in a row, Three, he was finished in all three of those. His last win was in 2014 when he beat C.B. Dalloway, of all people. Uh, before that, he lost to Chris Weidman. That was a title fight. And, well, it was a decision. He got bludgeoned pretty badly, uh, kind of, I think it was the fifth round. No, no, the third round. third round was the really bad round for him. He actually kind of came on in rounds four and five. I have to rewatch that fight to be specific if it was two or three, actually. But one of those. He, the miles have just started catching up with him. And I think this is, much as it pains me to say this, because I deeply, deeply appreciate what Lyoto Machida does and how he does it, especially, again, when he was in his prime. But... I think his chin is shot. I think his timing isn't quite there. I don't think his reflexes are what they used to be. I imagine he'll kind of make a fight of it at times, but then he's just going to get caught again, and he'll go down, and that'll be it. I I got Eric Anders here. Not 100%, but... And again, if I would love for Machida to pull out you know, the old Machida special where he baits him and then counters him and looks like a million bucks, but I just, I can't pick it at this point. Uh, Jeff, uh, what are your thoughts here? Does Le- does Leonardo Machida get his heroic homecoming before riding off into the sunset? I mean, it's hard. Like, I don't want, I don't want to pick against him against a guy like Eric Andrews, but then again, Machida has just not looked great since uh, he came back from that layoff. And um, he's been knocked out twice. The last time was in the first round. And then he got knocked out in the third round by Romero. Uh, 
Hulk. That was a while back. So his Let me just say this. I'm picking Cheetah to win this fight, but that's just because I don't I don't hold his opponent Eric Andrews in very high regard. But but you know, Leona Batista could be at the point where he's old and declining and, and we've seen fighters get to a point where pretty much anyone like they get they get to a point where pretty much anyone can beat him, no matter who they fight. Uh I'm not saying Matita is at this point and I'm not I don't really feel like betting on an intangible factor like that. I mean, Eric Andrews is undefeated, yes, but like who? I mean, who has he even really fought? No uh, one of note. His biggest win is over Rafael Natal, and Tal retired yeah. immediately after that fight. Yeah, uh, I'm going. Let's just say I'll go with I'll go with Matita. I don't feel super confident about it right now, but I'm going with Matita. Yeah, if he loses to Eric Anders, I think it's pretty safe to say he has reached the point where he's losing to anybody. Um, and I hate that he's kind of got that. I feel he's gotten there, but uh, such is the life, the rise and fall of any professional athlete, and especially in a as unforgiving a sport as fighting. All right, the fight I am actually looking forward to the most is your co-main event: John Dodson versus Pedro Munoz. Uh, Dodson is coming off of a split decision loss to Marlon Marais, but he's done, he's gone two and two since returning to Bantamweight. And I thought he won the John Lineker fight. I still think that. Uh, I, I really think he kind of got the short end of the stick as far as people over, a few judges overvaluing Lineker's pressure that didn't lead to much in the, the, sw- the swing round, because there was only the one that was kind of in dispute, but and Pedro Munoz has only lost to Jimmy Rivera in the UFC, and Jimmy Rivera is you know pretty darn good. Uh, Munoz has a really wicked guillotine, and he's able to grab really quickly. This is a this is a significant step up for him though. Uh, he last beat Rob Font, and while Rob Font isn't some scrub, he's also not John Dodson. I oh, know he lost to Rafael Sunsau too. He debuted against Austin Sow and lost, and then yeah, so again he's only lost Austin Sow and Jimmy Rivera, and those are two exceptional bantamweights. Those are two of the top five or six in the world. Those are those are good guys. Um, if Dodson were prone to double legs, to shooting double legs when he gets a little flummoxed or out of sorts, I'd be more inclined to pick Munoz. Because Munoz really punishes you for that. But Dodson doesn't. He's much more... He's more apt to throw and get taken down, which is another issue entirely with Munoz, because that's still not a good place. I'm leaning towards Dodson here, but uh, Munoz could easily surprise a lot of people and pick this one up. Because there's a lot good about Munoz's game, and he's been getting better recently. So I'm really looking forward to this one. I kind of wish it was five rounds. Uh, we probably won't need it, given the way these two fight. But I would, uh, I would really, I'm really looking forward to this one again. This is the one I am most interested in as a fan. So uh, I, I got, I got Dodson here, but not exactly 
100% confident in it. Uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts? I like Dotson here. Um, I think this is a, you know, this is a decent fight. It's a good fight. Uh, Dotson's problem, though, is he tends to get hesitant and he tends to have problems pulling the trigger. Uh, he's got great quickness and he has knockout power when he uses it. Um, so that's just sort of the, it's really been the hang up. And I think that's the main reason I think he lost uh, to Marlon Marais. John Lineker, I think he will be able to outwork uh, Pedro Munoz, though. Am I crazy there right. about his his hesitancy or, or what have you? This seems <sighs> it's a recurring thing with him. He's a little bit too content to wait and counter uh, against certain types of opponents. Against Lineker, the issue was, A, the scoring, which, again, I thought was wrong, and B, just the pressure of Lineker got to him as that went on uh, against Marais. Uh, there were other issues in that fight, but it, it's more, it's not that he's hesitant. It's more that he waits for perfect opportunities rather than trying to kind of create them himself, which is, it can be used against you, but does have a few advantages in and of itself. So, all right, next up, this is probably the next fight I'm looking forward to. Uh, the woman who should be bantamweight champion, Valentina Shevchenko, is making her flyweight debut. Uh, and she's fighting... Oh, jeez. This poor woman. Uh, she's fighting Priscilla Cachoeira, who was actually supposed to... This is actually a really weird sequence of events, and I want to make sure I get it right, so... Give me just a second here. Because uh, Cachoeira was supposed to fight... making her UFC debut here. Yeah. She was supposed to fight um, Lauren Murphy at the Tough 26 finale. That's a heck of a fight to roll for your UFC debut. Even yeah. even for a Brazil card. Yeah. I guess yeah. this fight because she's, she's from Brazil. Even still. Well, uh, again... Cachoeira was supposed to fight Lauren Murphy at the Tough 26 finale, which is a more appropriate to her level fight. Right. Then she had visa issues, and Murphy wound up fighting uh, Barb Honchak after Roxanne Modafferi got promoted to the main event when Sajara Eubanks had the weight issues. Because that card just needed more of that crap. It's a bad enough card. And... Yeah, now instead of Lauren Murphy, who's a tough fighter, but I don't mean to sell Lauren short. She's tough, but she's not, you know, top of the food chain. Whereas Valentina Shevchenko, again, should be champion 10 pounds heavier than she is right in this weight class. Like, uh, this is rough, but I, I've i got Shevchenko. I think she turns in a really good performance, and I think she takes the flyweight title before the end of the year, barring injuries or other randomness. Uh, Jeff, am I, am I out of my mind here, or uh, do you see this differently? <laughs> I don't see it differently, but it's always difficult when you have an unknown like quantity here because like, we don't really know anything about Priscilla, other than that, she's undefeated and has eight fights, and we've never, we haven't seen any of these fights, um, or even really. None of these names are. I, I think I've. Heard I don't of, even know any of the women she's fought. 
person. Like I've I, heard I of don't Rosie know Duarte any of before. Um, yeah. Uh, so as long as to me, as long as Shevchenko is prepared and uh, she doesn't, un, you know, you can't you can't ever overlook an opponent as long as she she's not being lazy. I think she should win this. All right. Yeah. Uh, and this next fight isn't so bad, actually. Uh, and Green isn't the worst thing in the world. I would say um, both guys are well. Prezeris is pretty underrated. Yes, Prezeris is he's certainly been, underappreciated. He's been, he's been very consistent lately. Yeah, he's won four or five, five in a row. Five. Yeah. And his only uh, loss at lightweight seven and, and seven and two overall in the UFC. Yeah, and his only loss at lightweight is to Kevin Lee. Uh, the Paulo Tiago fight was up at welterweight. Like, uh, correct. Th- this is Paulo clearly Tiago not was a very was a, a tough experience veteran. And again, Paulo's a natural welterweight, whereas Prezeris is a really thick, but more suited in terms of overall frame to lightweight. Um, and Desmond Green, I mean, Green's really solid. Uh, he lost to Rustam Khabilov, but that snapped a pretty significant winning streak. I, I like Prezeris here, but this isn't a, this isn't the worst fight on the main card. That actually is the next fight in all likelihood or the main event, depending on how you look at things. Now, Prezeris is perpetually underappreciated and I'm not entirely sure why, but uh, I I I think he gets a pretty significant win here. It might actually get us get a, a fringe top fifteen guy next. The real question is, does he get his third consecutive north south choke finish? Uh, I I don't imagine he will, but he has two of them, uh, two in a row. He has two of I think he has two of the I believe five in UFC history. Ronnie Yaya has one. Um, Jeff Munson has one, and I can never remember the other guy, which is weird because it's, it was actually kind of cool, but, uh, yeah, I, I got Prezeris here. Jeff? Let's see here. Prezeris, um, man, he's been looking good lately, and, uh, Desmond Green, let's see, yeah, I definitely have Prezeris here as, um, uh, this is a decent, I think this is a decent lightweight fight. At, at the very least, I think it could be a, a good showcase for Prezeris, who's been, he's been pretty, he's been impressive lately, undeniably. All right, next up, we have a heavyweight fight because... Oh, joy. Boom, on the plus, that's hey, hang on. On the plus side, one of them is Timothy Johnson. Now, Timothy Johnson is not a world beater. He's been trading wins and losses in the UFC. He's, I think, three and three. He's, he's just kind of there. But he at least always he is, none of his fights have been bad. Okay. Uh, and bear in mind, it is heavyweight, so there's a there's a very there's good a chance be, there's a bell curve there. I am grading on a curve. All right. I got it. I got all right, Robert. That Jared Rochalt fight, I I wouldn't call that a good fight. Come on. No, it wasn't good. But I uh, I also acknowledge this weird gray space between good and bad. All right. All and right. That, Fair enough. And that 
more importantly, that was probably the most interesting Jared Rochalt fight in his UFC run. Which, again, really low hurdle to clear, because Jared Rochalt sucked. Uh, he's fighting Marcelo Golm. Golm has fought in the UFC before, yes. I want to say he has. Let me double-check this. Marcelo Golm, 6-0, at least once. Yeah, he beat Christian Colombo in his U. Okay, that was it's Christian Colombo. But he had a rough stretch. Just a lot of guys pulling out of fights with him. I'm sorry. Um, so this is low-level heavyweights, but I anticipate that it at least won't be as bad as other low-level heavyweight fights, which is again really low hurdle to clear. But I think they will and. I kind of like Johnson. He has, he tends to have really great facial hair for these fights. And uh, I, I will favor him based almost entirely on that. So, uh, How about you, Jeff? You, uh, do you think good old Tim Johnson gets it done? Can, can I just take a pass on this fight? <laughs> if you'd like right. to. I'm picking, I'm picking Johnson just because... Mm. I, I I may come to regret this, but I feel like he'll he'll this is a winnable fight for him. Even though the guy he's fighting is undefeated, but the guy he's fighting is only six and zero, and his one UFC win is Christian Colombo. So that's why I'm going with Johnson. So I may regret that, and I may regret watching this fight as well. But I'm picking that. I'm picking Johnson. So Johnson, don't let me down, man. Oh, I have a lot of regrets about inevitably watching this card. Um, kicking off the main card, this is going to be a slugfest. Um, Tiago Santos on a three-fight winning streak. Uh, finished all three of those. He's fighting Anthony Smith, who's on a pretty good run himself. Uh, Smith is also on a three-fight winning streak. He is 4-1 and one in the UFC. Uh, he lost to Cesar Fajaya, but again, he's won three since then. He's finished all of those. He finished Andrew Sanchez. He finished Elvis Mutopchewski. He finished Hector Lombard. And granted, Hector Lombard, but... Uh, th- again, these are both... These guys are both strikers. They're both not afraid to go forward. They both kind of get hit a fair amount. Uh, I... <laughs> I'm picking Tiago Santos just because he's slightly more proven against a higher level of competition, but I I can't remember what fight it was. It might have been the Andrew Sanchez fight when uh, Anthony Smith came back hard in the third round to win that. I just kind of figured I was done being surprised by Anthony Smith for a while. Um, I, I'm I'm picking Santos. He's more proven, but... Uh, this is this is kind of your I hate to say it's a can't miss fight because frequently those wind up missing, but this is a pretty cl- as as close to a sure thing as you're going to get on this card in terms of these two guys are going to go they're going to slug each other in the head, and one of them's going to fall over. So, uh, Jeff, you got any thoughts on this one? Let's see, uh, Tiago Santos. Um... Anthony Smith, I mean, look, his biggest UFC win is Hector Lombard, okay? Hector Lombard, Robert. 
I'd argue it's Andrew Sanchez. Uh, Lombard has more name value, but Sanchez is the better fighter in that situation. In terms of of name value, Tiago Santos is a pretty underrated fighter. I think think even you would admit that, right? By a lot of people, yeah. He had a a two-fight skid, and and he came off that skid, and and he's won his last three fights by knockout. And he's, he's got power. And I think if he were to exchange with Smith, he's going to put him. He's going to put him away. Uh, I don't think this will be like a clean. I don't think this will be like a clean technical battle. But I could see it being like a fun brawl that Santos will come on top with a knockout. Oh no, there's there's not going to be a whole lot of technique from these two. <laughs> that that's just Smith, not the way they're built. Let, uh, all right, like Smith, he has power, but he's a very sloppy fighter, and I feel like he's been sloppy going back to his strike force days. Yeah. Uh, all right, as for the prelims, Sergio Moraes is fighting Tim Means. Uh, I really like Means in that one. Uh, Moraes just got cold-cocked by Kamaru Usman in his last fight. Uh, Alan Patrick is fighting Demir Hadzovic. I think at this point I am contractually obligated to pick Demir Hadzovic just because of that brutal knockout win over Marcin Held. Um, Douglas Silva de Andrade is fighting Marlon Vera. That's that's interesting. Um, assuming I remember de Andrade right. I think I am. I like Vera there. Marlon Vera is on a... I mean, he lost to John Lineker, but... John Lineker is, you know, really good. Uh, Yuri Alcantara is fighting Joe Soto. Two guys kind of on the downswing, but there's some fun. There's, there's potential for some fun grappling exchanges between those two. They're both really good grapplers. Uh, and on Fight Pass, Dieveson Figueredo will fight Joseph Morales. I kind of like Figueredo there. And at Strawweight, Maya Stevenson fights Pollyanna, Pollyanna Viana. Weird name. Sorry, weird conjunction of sounds in her name is more accurate there. I'll go with... I think I've seen Pollyanna fight, but I'm not sure. I'll go with her. Her last name's shorter. It's literally my criteria in this instance. All right, Jeff, any burning desires from the prelims? Anything stick out to you? Uh, Patrick versus... Uh, is it Hadzovich? Hadzovich, uh, yes. H-A- I like, I, I've always I like heard it Hadzovich. <laughs> I like Patrick, and um, uh, I think this could be a good showcase fight for him. Uh, Alcantara, I mean, I like both guys in the Alcantara Joe Soto fight, if that counts for anything, even though they're both coming off losses. Uh, I think they're both fairly good fighters, and I think that could be a decent fight. Uh, and let's see, we also have Marlon Vera. You know, Mar- uh, Marlon Vera versus Andrade could be okay. I mean, you know, again. A lot of guys coming off losses, but I think still some decent fighters here. And then let's see, Tim Means. Uh, Tim Means against Sergio Moraes. That could be an okay. That could be a fun fight. I think that has potential to be a fun, ex- exciting fight, right there. So those are my main means. Means usually has watchable fights, if nothing else. Yeah, I think I think there's potential for some watchable, if not not outstanding fights, but some fun. You know, not knock them. Knock him, rock him, sock him, robot fights. You know what I mean? Alcantara yeah. is a good. He, I mean, he and Soto are 
you know, they're talented, experienced fighters. That could be a, I think that could be a, you know, a, a higher level fight depending on how they show up. All right. Uh, I wanted to, because of the Super Bowl and my familial obligations pertaining to such, I wanted to give, I will have a, uh, I will have a solo show next week reviewing this card and previewing UFC uh, 221. But because it will be at a different time, I don't believe Jeff or Pat will be able to join me for it. So I wanted to give, uh, make sure Jeff had a chance to talk about anything he wanted to touch on from UFC 221. So let me run down the main card very quickly because it's uh, it's not all that good. It's a card. Uh, the main event. The main event is for the interim welter, or excuse me, interim middleweight title. After Robert Whitaker fell ill, we hope the champion gets better soon because I'm a big Bobby Knuckles fan. Yoel uh, Romero and Luke Rockhold. The co-main event is Mark Hunt and Curtis Blades. You also have Tai Tuivasa versus Cyril Asker. A lot of natives to the to Australia or New Zealand. Um, Jake Matthews versus Li Jing Leong. And Tyson Pedro versus Saperbeck Safarov. That is the main card. Um, eh, screw it. I'll read the rest of this real quickly. Uh, Damian Brown versus Dongyun Kim. This is Maestro, not Stun Gun. Rob Wilkinson versus Israel Adesanya. I've seen Israel fight. His name is bothering me. Why do I know this guy? That's going to bother me until I figure it out, because he hasn't fought in the UFC Who's that? yet. Um, Israel Adesanya. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay. Um, Jeremy Kennedy versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Juicy Formiga versus Ben Wynn. That's actually a really good fight. Uh, Ross Pearson versus Mizuto Hirota. Teruto Ishihara versus Jose Alberto Quinones. I believe this is Ishihara's bantamweight debut. Yeah, he was at featherweight for... He's, he's fought a bantamweight once before outside the UFC. A couple of times. Okay. Uh, and Luke J- Luke Jamo. <laughs> I don't know why that amused me to see that he's still that he's with the UFC, but Luke Jamo will fight Dachi Abe. Uh, all right. So Jeff, the floor is yours. Anything you would like to uh, talk about from that particular card? Well, Any first of all, on that I want to ask. Robert Whitaker, what it was said, now I don't know the exact diagnosis, but it was said by Dana White that he has staph infection in his, like, abdominal region or stomach area. How, I mean, like, I, I know staph infection, like, it can actually be deadly if not treated properly. But how? Staph will, staph can kill you, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm aware of that. But, like, how severe do you think this case could be if it's, if it's literally in his midsection. Uh, he was in the hospital for a while. He might still be there, actually. Uh, it's it, There's still a like, lot that's unknown. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, there's just, you, you know, there's... Uh, there's a lot that hasn't now, been released. He hasn't talked feeling. publicly about it. This is just my feeling. When I first heard that news, I thought, holy... I mean, is he even going to fight again? It's a legitimate question. How, how, I mean, I mean, I mean, 
to me, that's I feel like that's the question that's no that no one's asking, and 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 we're not getting answers for. I mean, and I totally understand if Whitaker and his camp, you know, they're trying, they're keeping that close to the vest for now, and we might not, and you know what, we might, they might not even know the whole extent of the damage. But when I heard that, that sounded serious, and and you know, this sounded both career threatening and life threatening to him, unless unless unless. Now, I, I admit, I could be exaggerating that in my head, Robert, but that, that sounds pretty horrible, what he's going through right now. And I don't want, yeah. to, I don't want, I don't want to trivialize in any way this, uh, that type of illness because it sounds like we could be in a situation where the, the, now the de facto reigning champion could have to relinquish his title because of, of that illness. It's certainly possible. Um... If I believe he's getting treated. My understanding of the sequence of events, and this is only my understanding of it, so take this for whatever it's worth. He got a staph infection, which isn't, you know, those are never good. But they're also not terribly uncommon, which is kind of sad, but also the way things are. A right, they, but, but you get it because you're in the gym and it's dirty and it's, it's usually a hygiene thing. Yeah, Mighty Staff Mouse. Is, uh, it's like a staff is like uh, it's like bacteria. It's spread through like bacteria, right? Yeah, it's just a staph infection is an over is an infection of a Staphylococcus bacteria. If you want to get like, slightly, how, like I'm how not did, a doctor by any stretch of the imagination. I know either, you're not a you. doctor, but to your knowledge, how would you get it like what he got it, where it's actually like inside his stomach or or wherever? How does that, that happen? My, again, my understanding is that he had it, he knew he had it, and it was improperly treated the first time. Okay. And again, I don't know the specifics, but the end result was it wound up being you know, internal as opposed to external, because normally it's visible on the skin. But it is that it's most dangerous when it gets into organs rather than, well, internal organs rather than just skin tissue. And... Again, it, so it wasn't treated properly when he had it, and it got slightly more serious, so he wound up in the hospital trying to recover from that. And he is on the path to recovery, and I, again, indicators seem to be that by, you know, fourth quarter or so, he might be ready to go again, but that's very early indicators, and I, you know, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, this is one of those things that keeps him out for a while because again, this is a very serious thing. Like staff will kill you. That's it. You get a lot of staff infections in this sport. You hear them talked about, but they're like, I think Jack Slack said it best. They are the most serious common occurrence in the sport that no one seems to take as seriously as it deserves to be taken. So again, hope he gets better soon, but yeah, it's, that's that's nothing to trivialize. So I, I appreciate I mean, you bringing I mean, that up. It just sounds it just sounds like based on what we heard, he could be out a lot longer than like another six months. So I I don't know, but it, it sounded pretty horrible from the way yeah. it was diagnosed. Or I I don't know exactly how it was diagnosed, but I want to uh, I'll refrain from saying more until we hear more from Whitaker and his camp, and hopefully. I mean, hopefully they will come forward with some of that information soon, but I just don't know. Uh, this fight was Romero. I got to go with Luke Rockhold. Um, 
Look, Romero did not impress me in that fight with Wicker. I knew Wicker could win that fight because Romero, he doesn't do well in layer waters. And what happened in round four of that fight? He took the round off. And if you're going to take a round off, you can't take rounds off in MMA, Robert. This isn't boxing. Okay, you don't have 12 you don't have 12 five-minute rounds. You have five five-minute rounds. And in a title fight, I mean, that can still come down to very close to the wire. Okay? Um, just for example, like Floyd Mayweather, he took basically the first four rounds off against Conor McGregor. And even doing that, the judges still gave – most of the judges still gave those rounds to Mayweather. Did they not? Yeah, but again, as I recall, the the judging in that fight was all right. But that's my the point. judging being what it was. That's the point. You can't take rounds off in MMA. You you don't have you don't have the luxury in taking rounds off. Rockhold has, I think, some obvious issues with his striking defense, but I think I think. More often than not, he's proven himself in these type of situations, whereas Romero, I don't think he has. Romero's wrestling and his power are definitely a difference maker. However, uh, and Romero is very athletic, and, and, but we see that physique, it takes its hold on Romero. And sometimes he's come back and he's been able to get a late finish, but other fights, like, let me think. Um, he seemed to struggle in the Kennedy fight, even though he won that fight. And I think he struggled a lot in the Jacare fight. Uh, and Rockhold, when have you ever seen Rockhold gas? I don't think it's ever happened. And he's a big dude. No, I've, I don't recall ever seeing Rockhold gas. It kind of helps that he hasn't We've fought him. past a third round in several years. But Yeah, but I, I mean... Um, the the Weidman fight went to round four, and he wasn't he wasn't. I mean, he was a little slower in that fight, but he was fighting injured. He was fighting injured in that fight, and he still did okay. Um, but he wasn't ga- He wasn't like visibly gassed or tired. He was he was a little slower because he had like that staff injury in his knee. Um, can't ever recall Rockhold really like taking a round off like Romero clearly did or really getting tired, and I think that's going to be a difference maker in a five-round title fight. Uh, and I think, I think Romero might take one round or two rounds, but eventually um, it's going to get into the deeper waters, and that's where Rockhold where it will finish uh, Romero off with ground and pound or submission because Ro- Romero's going to get tired. And, he, and when he gets tired like he did against Whitaker, that's where Rockhold is going to make him pay. All right. Again, I'll have uh, I'll have the fullness of my thoughts next week on that one. Um, I had a, a I have an interesting thought about that main event fight that I want to really formulate in my head before I kind of go into detail. But uh, yeah. So okay. On to any. On to uh, again the news. Jeez, I can't speak today. Uh, big thing I know we want to touch on. The UFC announced. Ugh. The first of their super fight champion versus champion matches. 
Light heavyweight champion Daniel. It really did. I don't know how much money they had to throw at the various participants to make it happen, but whatever they did, yeah, they went from, because we speculated in our review of UFC 220, here we are a week later, and they've signed Stipe Miocic defending the heavyweight title against light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. Uh, And they announced, much to my personal chagrin, those two will be coaches on the upcoming season of The Ultimate Fighter. My chagrin is around the continued existence of the Ultimate Fighter, because why, God, why? Um, I, I want to get to your thoughts first on this, Jeff, because we, we talked a little bit about this last week, but now that it's reality rather than speculation, uh, where's your headed on that? Where, where are you? Where'd you land on this one? I don't hate it. I don't hate it, to be honest with you. Um, I'm just surprised they turned this around so quickly because Dana White was already talking about it after the pay-per-view. And while Steve, you know, he didn't really, he seemed more open to the idea. Daniel Cormier, you know, was visibly against it, was verbally against it. And he was talking down the idea of him uh, fighting at heavyweight. Now, look, all the crap he was saying before the fight was ridiculous because he fought at heavyweight before and he was legitimately one of the top five heavyweights in the world at the time. Okay? Legit, legit. And he won a strike force heavyweight Grand Prix. He you know, he beat he beat at, you know, active UFC fighters. Um why, why I don't know why he thinks the idea is so absurd. Especially look, especially when he's putting out on social media how much he hates the weight cut and needs someone to pay for it, and blah, blah, blah. Well, well, Dana White's giving you an out here. You're, and his light heavyweight title is on the line. So, I mean, Cormier, what I think, Cormier has nothing to lose by taking this fight. Um, and, and, if anything, it helps him, because where's John Jones, uh, Robert? He's not, this fight could have gone to John Jones, but it's Cormier who's getting this. So, Cormier has already said he wants to retire early next year. Now, even if that doesn't happen, you know, I mean, considering he could, he could have fought for the UFC heavyweight title before he moved down, um, I see no problem with this fight. And the other issue is, let's be honest, they, they, they don't have the most competitive field at light heavyweight. Um, <laughs> That's a really nice way to say that. Look, I, that's the nicest way I can say it. The Verdum rematch is there, but look, Stipe already knocked out Verdum in the first round. Um, and what I think they should do is try to book the Cain Velasquez Verdum match for this card. I think both of them will be okay with that. But, you know, Cormier talks about Cain getting this fight. I mean, it, Cain fighting Stipe is not realistic. Cain has, Robert, Cain hasn't fought. Since, since the summer of 2016. We're in 2018 now. We're almost, we're almost up to two years since Kane's last fight. I mean, that's a freaking lifetime. When he um, beat Travis Brown at UFC 200. I, I think at this point in his career, in both guys' career, it's, a, it's the smartest fight you can make. Now, now, I mean, part of this is unfortunate because, because of the John Jones situation. I don't now. The only other unfortunate thing here is the Gustafson thing, 
But I don't know the extent of Gustafsson's. I know he's injured, but how injured is he? Let me see what I can see about this. I mean, the only unfortunate thing about this is Gustafsson, you know, might not get a fight with Cormier, but this might give Gustafsson more time to recover. Um, I'm fine with I'm I'm fine with the fight. It it's not like the greatest heavyweight title fight, no. But I mean, I think at the moment, you know, you want to make a big fight for that card. All things considered, considering how light heavyweight has gotten gutted as a division, considering John Jones is a basket case, if you don't know what his situation is, and considering that you know Cain Velasquez a big question mark on Cain Velasquez, no matter what Cormier says, and no matter what Cain says. Cain says he said, Cain's putting on, you know, social media, things might get interesting. I don't know if you saw that, and got to get my help back, but he posted that, but I mean, how healthy is Cain Velasquez, and how, I'm not saying he can't make a career comeback, but how realistic is that at that point, that even if he can fight at least once, maybe he can, how consistent can he be after that? Because it seems before and after, there's always just these huge gaps with Kane because of his injuries, right? So I'm okay with the I'm okay with the fight on paper. I think you might, if you have the fight, you might as well make it. Because Ngannou just lost; he needs to get rebuilt, and there aren't a lot of clear immediate contenders right now. Yeah, it's. The timing makes sense. The players involved being where they are makes sense. Yeah, apparently, Gustafson is unhappy about uh, the booking of this fight, but... Uh, I mean... Well, I mean, it's not for the light heavyweight title. It's not... Like, no, uh, he, he's just... Again, he's just like... Uh, again, like this is all still very new. Apparently, he's you know now accusing DC hurt. of running from him. He's annoyed. He had surgery last year after the uh, Teixeira win. At some point after the Teixeira win. I forget exactly when. Here's my problem. Every fighter, like all all fighters in this position are trying to pick and choose all their fights and pick and choose the title fight when when it's not always there for them. And that's what I don't like. And... That's why, and that is why people don't like Tyron Woodley. And, and Woodley constantly complains, and Woodley's a good fighter. But that's why people don't like Woodley, is because he tries to do that. Um, look, Gustafsson, he fought Cormier, and he couldn't get the job done, okay? So he might have, he might have to fight again. He might have to fight... Uh, another fight to earn a to earn a title shot. I mean, look, if John Jones, if John Jones gets cleared to fight, give him John Jones. We've wanted to see that rematch for a while, haven't we? Yeah, uh, I've I was really sad they weren't able to make that rematch happen. Um, crap. I just don't know. I don't know. The thing is, the only thing about Gustafsson is I don't know his status and when he might be able to make a return. Um, but 
if you're Cormier, why not take this fight now? If you're 39 years, you're about to turn 39 years old. You only have so many fights left. I think he. This is a good matchup for him, honestly. He could. I. I think this is pretty like. This is an even matchup. What do you think? Uh, I slightly, and I mean very slightly, favor Stipe in this fight. So do I. I would agree. But I, I, I will not be surprised I, if Daniel Cormier wins. I think I think Stipe would be the favorite here, but only the slightest favorite, because at the at the moment he's a very slight uh, favorite according to the you know Vegas odds. Cormier, look, Cormier always excelled fighting guys bigger than him, or are we going to just ignore that? No, he's. He, uh, he he, he's undefeated at heavyweight. He beat Frank. He beat Frank Mir, and he didn't do any. And he didn't beat the corpse of Frank Mir. He beat Frank Mir. He beat Roy Nelson. Okay, he dominated those guys. He he beat. He dominated uh, everyone put in front of him in strike force at heavyweight, including look. He Josh Barnett. He he tossed Josh Barnett around like a like like a sack of potatoes. Robert. Yep. I don't. I remember I don't that. <laughs> like, I think honestly, I think Cormier has a better chance of beating Stipe than Ngannou ever did, and you and that means something because I I was one of the few people who picked Stipe to win that fight. So there you go. No, no, yeah, you, you and I got some. There was a little bit of a shade thrown at us for picking Stipe in that fight, but uh, there you I go. Guess what I, I, I think Cormier has. I like his chances a lot better than, than Francis Ngannou because he has a stronger base, uh, and um, and we know he can go. He, we know that here's the other thing. We know Cormier can go hard for for five rounds. That's yep. the other thing. And Stipe, Stipe, I don't think Stipe has ever fought a wrestler, Cormier either. He's fought some good grapplers, but not a wrestler. No, there's some very interesting ways they match up. Um, yeah. It's again, I favor Stipe. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's usually the superior wrestler. It'll be interesting to see him in a fight where he is not the superior wrestler. But And, it, and, and Cormier, you, you're not cutting weight. You don't have to worry about that crap anymore. He could win. Yeah. He could win this fight and retire and retire on a high note. And if he won this fight, no one's gonna give a no one's gonna give a flying f about him and John Jones anymore. Now, I again, I I like Stipe's chances, and I kind of want him to win just because I've become a Stipe fan recently, uh, sort of recently, I, like over I, the last I, I would probably three take years him to or win, so. But I think it's I would pick him to win, but I think it's it's, it's a tougher, closer fight than Ngannou ever was. Yeah, there's less chance for catastrophic loss uh, in terms of Cormier, you know, knocking Stipe out. But on the whole, Cormier has a much better chance. I kind of want Cormier to win and retire as you know, with both belts, just because it would create the most chaos, and I am it, it would amuse me the most, and I'm. Uh, I am I always I okay with well. that. Well, it would be chaotic for light heavyweight, but we're we're already pretty much at DEFCON 5 with light heavyweight right now. Come on. Anyway, Once Daniel Robert. Cormier retires as the champion, 
of the light heavyweight division vacating the belt. We can finally see Alexander Gustafson versus Jimmy Manoa for the vacant 205-pound title. Or perhaps even the mythical rematch between Gustafson and Shogun. <laughs> oh, God, I hate that division so well, much. Well, at least this fight prevents that from happening, Robert. That's a good thing. So you should be happy. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, but I guess I'm surprised because Cormier didn't seem into this idea at all. So they must have done something, especially when, like, Stipe was like, he he seemed he seemed to be at complete odds with the UFC and Dana White uh, after UFC uh, 220. Did he not? Now, there was there he and the UFC have been butting heads a little bit. I mean, it's been quiet, you know, certainly quiet relative to you know what guys quiet, like but, Conor McGregor it, or Nate Diaz like will they, do. It seemed like there was a was an indelible rift after after the Ngannou fight, um, and. Based on what Ariel Helwani said on the MMA Hour, it was ma- it was mainly derived from Stipe's opponents getting paid more than him for their title fights. Yeah. He was the because um, his, his previous two, the Verdum, actually not the Verdum, uh, the JDS and the Overeem fights, both Junior dos Santos and Alistair Overeem made more than he did. Well, I mean, to me that to me that's on his management more so than the UFC. Unless, unless, only unless the UFC made promises and said things they didn't keep, and even then, if it's not in writing, it doesn't matter. You know, that's kind of why I don't have a lot of sympathy for a lot of Nate Diaz's complaints, um, and all this. You know, he's whenever you're dealing with contracts and offers, it has to be in writing. It has to be. You have to have a paper trail, and. I'm not saying these guys shouldn't get paid more. Steve Ray definitely deserves to get paid more. But if he agreed to this fight, and I think I've even taught, I've asked him about these questions when we've had conference calls, and, and they've been on the site and everything. He's like, well, I accepted the fight, didn't I? I'm taking the fight, didn't I? I mean, well, okay, you're taking the fight, so then, then why are you complaining? So there you go. Uh, all right. Personally, um, I am so torn about this because it makes sense, given the parties, given the timeline, mm-hmm. given the state of the divisions. But, again, I, I find myself – again, it's very possible for Daniel Cormier to win this fight. It won't take place until summer-ish because they, they want this to be – they want to have three champion versus champion fights as, like, the – the the big three bouts for their uh, summer card for the you know the international fight week card, which is uh, I I am you know oh geez we're almost out of I'm actually gonna have to write about this a little bit because I don't like the trend of champion versus champion fights I find it's incredibly short sighted in a lot of respects. To me, this is not as bad. This is not anywhere near as bad as doing GSP versus Bisbang and the can of worms that opened. No, and it's not even as bad as uh, the proposed bout between Demetrius Johnson and TJ Dillashaw, which I think has... It's problematic. That one's way more problematic. It is seriously problematic. I mean, I, I would love to see that fight as a fan of fighting, 
But I also know that nothing happens in a vacuum. And that's that's kind of my problem here because, again, it's very conceivable for Cormier to win the title. Let's say he gets injured not too long after that. As a knee injury, that keeps him out until he's until after the time he wants to be done. So he just retires as a dual champion. You now have two weight divisions, two uh, used-to-be marquee divisions, that you have to have, have fights for a vacant title in. All right. Well, let's cross it's, those bridges it, when they come. Let's I, enjoy I know. the super fights for now. I, I just I can't not look ahead when we get to stuff like this. And this one makes the most sense. And as again, as a guy who likes watching think, people fight, I like the fight. At le- I am at worried least, about what happens after. So. Unlike, unlike the GSP situation, at least Cormier has actually fought at heavyweight, and he pro- you know he could probably use, his body could probably use the relief because he's now he's getting complaining and we're all worried whenever he has to weigh in. I'm weighing. I mean, hey, you did have to so. cheat to make weight once. Yeah, exactly. Now he no, doesn't right. have to. Now he doesn't have to worry about that, and he. He can have a few more cheat days. He can have a few more cheat days when he's working out. He can have yeah. all the. He can have a few. He can have a couple more days of Popeyes. Nothing wrong with that. Was there anything else we wanted to touch on before we do plugs uh, and get out of here? Let's see. I think that was, that was really. I think the really big one. I'm trying. There's been talk about Nate Diaz. He doesn't have a fight lined up. Uh, Nate's making noise, um, but until something's actually he's signed, noise, who cares? But nothing. Um, there might. I think there. I think there might. I think there were a couple fight announcements. Um, let's see. I, oh yeah, Justin Gagey uh, versus <laughs> Dustin <laughs> Carlos Condit versus Matt uh, Brown for UFC. And that's on the same card. Those two fights are on the same card. Don't do anything else, um, please. That's all we need. Those two fights. Oh, I like those fights. I'm, I'm so those happy are, about are, that. Those are action fights. Honestly, I like Matt Brown against Carlos Condit right now. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. I, I, given where Condit has shown himself to be recently, I'd agree. But that's like three and, fights uh, worth of action in those two fights. It's, it's going it to be just, great. And uh, – you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick uh, Courier over Gagey. That's that's gonna be an interesting one because if Poirier stays technical, if he stays focused within a game plan, that's a very winnable fight for him. If he gets sucked into brawling and he has been sucked into striking exchanges like that in the past, then Gagey. I mean, there aren't too many people who are going to win a brawl with Justin Gaethje. Like, you have to be right. smart and technical about it. So, and as bad as Carlos Condit's performance was against Neil Magny, like it, like it, it to me, this will, this will, tr- like, if Carlos Condit can't get up and and beat a guy like Matt Brown at this point in his career, then it, then it really is, to me, it really is over for him at this point, and he should call it quits and stop taking the damage. But, um. For Matt Brown, I think you know if if he is going to stay around a little bit, I think this is a good this is a good enough fight for him to stay around for. Yeah. Uh, all right. On that note, because I think that's all yeah, the think, left. Yeah, that was, really that was, yeah I think those were the other really main ones to talk about. But yeah. Uh, sorry, what do you got to plug? Jeff? It's all right. Uh, okay. So the next movie I'm doing is uh, Peter Rabbit, the highly anticipated. 
Ugh. family film that I think you're looking forward to. Not seeing um, it. Haven't, haven't heard back on um, Black Panther yet, but I'm hoping I will get the opportunity to see that one for Disney. So ha- uh, fingers crossed. The next one is probably uh, Peter Rabbit. And also, um, uh, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. And hopefully, hopefully Black Panther. Let's just say that. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Robert. Had a lot of fun this Thank week. Thank you, Jeff. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right. Personally, I will be in the fact. I'm in Factor Fiction this week in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. So stop by, vote for who you think won. We'll tackle a lot of the subjects Jeff and I discussed here, so you can read my thoughts on that. I will have live coverage of UFC Fight Night 125 come this come Saturday. Next Sunday, there will be a special start time for this show, probably. Probably around 2 Eastern, give or take. Uh, I will have a hard time again come Sunday. By Saturday night, I'll have a specific time nailed down. Probably around 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time where I will review Fight Night 125 and preview 221. Uh, And then I will have coverage of UFC 221. So you can look forward to all of that. Mark and I will be getting Damn You Hollywood back up for Black Panther in a couple of weeks. So Stay tuned for that, for those of you who like Mark and I reviewing movies. But that's it for this week. Again, next week at a special start time, let's just say 2 p.m. Eastern. That's noon for me. I I I should be able to commit to that at this point. Uh, Until next time, thank you all for listening. Thanks to Jeff for his contributions. Uh, Everyone stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave. (laughs) 